This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and advocate for equality. I'm also a huge fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, and anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day, I'm going to share one of my favorite deep cuts with you, so let's take a look at today's story. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna stuff no it won't be tough gonna go a year till you've had enough it's 365 on this day in 2013 rhode island became the 10th state to legalize same-sex marriage let's look back on the history of marriage equality as well as the state of rhode island as early as ancient times many civilizations considered same-sex relationships to be normal because well they are Same-sex marriage was even legal during the age of the Roman Empire, up until Christianity became Rome's official religion. But in the modern era, queer people have had to fight for basic equality. It wasn't until 1989 that Denmark voted to recognize same-sex unions legally. Norway followed suit in 1993, and in the next few years, countries like Sweden, Greenland, and more did the same. You might wonder why the right to marry is so important. You can be in a fulfilling, committed relationship with someone without getting married. But it's important for LGBTQ people to have equal rights on a legal level. Plus, in some cases, marriage is necessary for two people to be on the same health insurance. So by extension, these archaic bans on same-sex marriage or domestic partnerships had negative effects on people's access to health care. In the U.S., the fight to legalize same-sex marriage heated up in the 80s, in the midst of the AIDS epidemic. In San Francisco, activist Harry Britt tried to pass a measure that would extend healthcare coverage to same-sex partners of public employees. But the measure was vetoed by then-Mayor Dianne Feinstein, who currently is a senior senator from California. A similar measure wouldn't pass in San Francisco until eight years later in 1990, but there was still very little forward momentum. In 1993, three same-sex couples argued in the Supreme Court of the state of Hawaii that it was unconstitutional to ban same-sex marriage. They didn't win the case, but the court suggested that possibility that preventing same-sex marriage was unconstitutional. But then, in 1996, President Bill Clinton signed into law the Defense of Marriage Act, which defined marriage at the federal level as a union between a man and a woman only. This law wouldn't be struck down until 2013, when the United States Supreme Court ruled, 5-4, to that it was a deprivation of liberty to prevent same-sex marriage. Even under the Defense of Marriage Act, individual states could choose whether or not to recognize same-sex unions. So in 2003, Massachusetts became the first state to allow same-sex couples to marry. The following year, New Mexico would start giving marriage licenses to same-sex couples since their law didn't specify anything about sex or gender. And in San Francisco, the city began defying state laws and married same-sex couples anyways. More and more states followed suit And as early as his 2008 campaign, President Obama voiced support for same-sex marriage. 
It wasn't until 2015 that the United States Supreme Court finally legalized same-sex marriage nationwide in the case Oberjeffel v. Hodges. As the 10th state to legalize same-sex marriage, Rhode Island was somewhat ahead of the curve. Here are other fun facts about the smallest state in the country. In colonial times, Anne Hutchinson was the first woman to incorporate a town, Portsmouth. Then, Brown University located in Providence became the first university to accept students regardless of their religious affiliations. By the 1840s, when only property owners were allowed to vote, a Rhode Island resident named Thomas Wilson Dorr led working-class people to protest this law. As a result, they won suffrage for non-land-owning white men, who had to pay $1 voting tax. A small victory, but still a victory, I guess. <laughs> it might seem like Rhode Island has been a pretty progressive state, but in some ways, the ocean state has lagged horribly behind. When Rhode Island joined the Union in 1790, it was called the State of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. The word plantation references Rhode Island's early history as a slaveholding state. In 2010, Rhode Islanders voted on a referendum to remove this harmful reference from the state's name. But 78% of the people voted to keep the name the same. It wasn't until 2020 that this referendum came into play once more. This time, people had become more educated about the way systemic racism functions. Even though a name is just a name, names do matter. And this particular name honored a foul and extremely dark history. So, in 2020, 53% of voters chose to remove Providence Plantations from the state's name, and now it's simply known as the state of Rhode Island. It's frustrating that it took so long to change Rhode Island's official name, and it's also troubling that the validity of same-sex couples was even up for debate in the U.S. so recently. Plus, in many countries, it's illegal to even be in a same-sex relationship, which causes severe harm to queer populations there. It's also worth pointing out that discrimination does not begin and end with the legalization of marriage. Just last month, Arkansas passed a law banning gender-affirming health care for trans youth. So there's a lot of work to be done, especially when it comes to protecting trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people in the queer community. Yes, legal rights are important. And it's meaningful that same-sex marriage is now legal in the U.S., but we won't see true equality until the complete acceptance of queer people becomes an irrefutable norm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now let's talk about music. Today, in 2003, the Chicks, formerly known as the Dixie Chicks, appeared naked on the front cover of Entertainment Weekly. Phrases like traitors, hero, boycott, Saddam's angels, and proud Americans were printed across their bodies, referencing the fallout after singer Natalie Maines spoke out against then-President George W. Bush. At a concert in March, Maines said that she was ashamed that the president was from Texas. She made this comment in the lead-up to the United States' controversial invasion of Iraq, dividing country fans. Now, with the prevalence of social media, it's not newsworthy for a musician to speak their mind about current events. But back then, this statement was so shocking that it made headlines, garnering enough attention to warrant an Entertainment Weekly cover. Especially for a country group from Texas, the home state of President Bush, this statement hurt their airplay and divided their fan base. 
Still, it's inspiring to see artists stand up for what they believe in, even when it might not make them the most popular band in town. And now for our final segment of today's show, I'm going to be going into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on a May 2nd in my life. I don't really think I've done a whole lot of exciting things. How many times have I said that on this podcast? But on May 2nd, 2020, um, I think I just have a lot of photos of my cats. I was back home with my family in California because quarantine had um, kind of just started. Uh-huh. Um, now we're a year from it. But I have a photo of me here sitting with a blanket wrapped around me and my friend Lucas edited my eyebrows off of my face. So I took it upon myself to draw an arrow on my head so I would look like Aang from Avatar Last Airbender. Anyways, that's my memory for May 2nd. (laughs) So dumb. Thank you for going back in time with me and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can come back tomorrow for more stories from the past. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365.